households across Central Asia suffer from energy poverty, according to the World Bank. The challenges are to maintain and provide infrastructure in rural parts of the region and explore new energy models for social inclusion and just transition. In this podcast, ADBI Senior Research Fellow Dina Shkayeva, Janna Kapsalyamova from Nazarbayev University, Anna Arhangeskaya from the Institute of Energy under the Kyrgyz Technical University, explain socioeconomic disparity that energy poor households face and discuss policy options to replace inefficient fossil fuel subsidies while minimizing the impact of energy prices on vulnerable households. Hi everyone, thank you for joining Asia's Developing Future. To begin, can you give us an overview of the energy access and consumption patterns in Central Asia? Dina, can you start? Central Asia has very long and very cold winters. Heating season could last six to seven months in a year. Access to heating fuel is essential for life. It's not just luxury for convenience or for comfort. It's necessary for life. Infrastructure such as, for example, district heating, usually provided in urban areas and less provided in rural areas. Janna, do you have anything to add? In Kazakhstan, according to the study of Kerim Rai and others, in 2013, about 28% of households spent more than 10% of their income on energy. The disparity in terms of access to district heating and pipeline gas in urban and rural areas of Kazakhstan is substantial. For instance, about 66% of urban households are connected to district heating in 2019, 58% of them connected to pipeline gas. The small proportion of rural households have access to district heating, which constitute about 1%, and pipeline gas, which is about 37%. Anna? Historically, energy access and consumption patterns in Central Asia vary across the region. Kyrgyz Republic has a very high level of hydropower inside the energy balance. It's more than 90% of electricity production. And also, we have quite a high dependence on coal reserves, which we also import from Kazakhstan. And clean energy sources is only about from 20 to 30% in energy balance of Kyrgyzstan. Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan are moving very fast with a renewable energy production and Kyrgyzstan also has plans to raise renewable energy production its wind and solar power plants until 2030. What exactly is energy poverty and what causes energy poverty in the context of Central Asia? Let me provide a definition of energy poverty provided by Buzarovsky and Petrova, which is stated as follows. It's a socially and materially necessitated level of domestic energy services. This is what we call the energy poverty. In the literature, there are different types of measures used to estimate energy poverty, which include expenditure measures, consensual measures, self-reported measures, and multidimensional approaches. As Jana said, there are different approaches to measure energy poverty, but we are only starting to measure energy poverty in Kyrgyz Republic. We defined energy poverty as when households spend more than 10% of their income on basic energy needs. We have very low electricity tariffs. It is one of the lowest electricity tariffs in the world. Even though it is very low, we have a high level of energy poverty. Energy poverty, it is different in rural and rural areas as well. 
well as in north and south of the country. So energy poverty in north and urban, it is about 35%. And in north rural areas, it is 51.8%. And in south urban areas, it is 38%. And in south rural areas, it is 37%. But the electricity poverty is quite low. It's up to from 1% to 4%, depending on the districts. What is the value of energy poverty in Central Asian countries and how do you measure it? To have different approach to measure energy poverty, we are doing household survey in south and north of, of the Kyrgyz Republic, where we can explore more factors influencing energy vulnerability and energy poverty. Among them are technical factors, energy choices, and behavioral aspects of why people choosing one or another energy resource. And also, we have tariff raise in May this year. It, it was 30% electricity tariff rate. And that's why we decided to do this household survey to be able to measure energy poverty, not only on energy and electricity, but also on technical and behavioral aspects. So in national statistics, we are not measuring energy poverty, but we have SDG indicators, SDG 7. We can also use these indicators in measuring energy poverty with the results household survey. In our study that we recently conducted uh, jointly with my colleagues, we tried to estimate the energy poverty for Kazakhstan using three approaches. First approach is a commonly used 10% approach by Boardman. Second approach is a semi-parametric model and threshold regression model. In these two models, we try to estimate the income elasticity of energy demand. And through identifying the threshold points on this income elasticity of energy demand, we found that energy poverty estimates vary. So for instance, for 2018, according to the 10% approach, we found that about 51% of households were energy poor. While according to the semi-parametric and threshold regression model for the same year, the energy poverty varied from 41 to 42%. In general, for the following years, in 2019, 2020, and 2021, we found that the energy poverty size varying from 52 to 54%. In general, our results across the two regression models, semi-parametric and threshold regression model, tend to be consistent, which indicate the robustness of our empirical findings. What is the impact of energy poverty, and why is it important to eradicate energy poverty in Central Asia? As was previously mentioned by Anna and Janna, energy poverty estimated is quite extensive in Kazakhstan and the Kyrgyz Republic. Nearly half of population considered as energy poor households. That's why it's very important to understand the extent of energy poverty in Central Asia, especially that many countries were called to remove inefficient fossil fuel subsidies. Energy in many developing countries, including Central Asia, heavily subsidized. And usually the objective of energy subsidies is to to help poor people. However, they were criticized for their inefficiency. The governments were advised to remove these inefficient fossil fuel subsidies and replace with the more targeted support. However, such removal or reduction of fossil fuel subsidies, which will lead to increase of energy price and could negatively affect energy poor households. So that's why it's very important to consider the estimate of energy poor households when planning government policies which which will lead to energy price increase, such as removal of fossil fuel subsidies. 
Dina has mentioned a very important point of fuel subsidies removal. In the Kyrgyz Republic, we also have very high level of fuel subsidies. It is about 0.7% of GDP level. But besides these economic implications, there are many significant social, environmental and health impacts of energy poverty is health consequences because of indoor air pollution. So energy poverty often leads to use of traditional polluting fuels like wood and coal for heating and cooking. This results in indoor air pollution, which can cause respiratory diseases, particularly affecting women and children who spend more time at home. And also there are environmental impact because reliance on inefficient and polluting energy sources, which are usually cheaper and more access to them, especially in rural areas and contributes to environmental degradation and climate change. Also, there are educational outcomes. Energy access becomes more and more important for education because many people, they study online and they need stable access to electricity, but in some rural areas, they even don't have lighting to study. And also, there are different social and gender implications. Women and girls are often disproportionately affected by energy poverty as they typically responsible for household energy-related tasks. What is the main factor that limits access to affordable and reliable energy in the region? Central Asia has very low population density, so it means that countries have vast territories with small population, and that makes challenge for financing infrastructure, and that's why infrastructure is often limited and mainly provided in urban areas and less provided in rural areas. For example, infrastructure such as district heating is very convenient and there is no indoor pollution, so such infrastructure usually provided in urban and and in rural, there is such infrastructure is not available. In the Kyrgyz Republic, we also have aging infrastructure, even though almost 100% have access to the grids to centralize electricity supply. 60% of the population experienced electricity cuts very often. We have lack of investment. Our government has a lot of plans to build big hydropower plants, solar plants, and wind power plants, but lack of investment does not allow us to build more generation facilities. And also, Dina has already mentioned the issue of energy subsidies in Central Asian countries. Energy subsidies have been used to keep energy prices artificially low. While this makes energy more affordable for consumers, it can strain government budgets and hinder investments in infrastructure and renewable energy development. Also, there is political and economic instability. Political instability and economic challenges in some Central Asian countries can impact the energy sector. These factors can disrupt energy supplies lead to underinvestment and hinder efforts to improve access and reliability. What are the existing measures to reduce energy and security issues? Can you give us some examples? To reduce energy poverty in the region, perhaps different programs could be initiated, such as, for instance, implementation of energy efficiency, promotion of renewable energy sources, providing targeted subsidies or social programs that aim to reduce energy bills and energy poverty. 
Understanding the extent of energy poverty in a country is very important in order to understand what the future impact of government policies and to make well-informed and evidence-based policymaking. Fossil fuel subsidies are provided off budget implicitly by keeping energy prices very low at marginal cost, just paying for labor without taking account replacement of equipment, infrastructure. That's why fossil fuel subsidies are not sustainable. And so government needs to, to develop well-designed plans to inform people to overcome the resistance for subsidy removal. What further measures can we take to reduce energy poverty in the region? We shall use a gradual reduction in the amount of subsidized electricity, and the way of achieving a phase reduction is reducing the threshold to a seasonally high level, for example, 400 kilowatt hours in 2023, and then start small threshold reductions every year from 2026, reaching 250 kilowatt hours in 2030. For winter tariffs, some time is needed before reducing the threshold in order to allow households to adapt alternative sources of heating and to increase energy efficiency. It should nonetheless have a higher threshold than during summer. The lifeline tariff could be discarded in 2026 as the benefits could be directly given to the poorest using a cash or voucher schemes. And also the reform of social assistance systems so that very poor households may further be subsidized directly rather than through tariffs. The current welfare support system should be reformed to address these targeting errors and minimize the impact of energy prices on vulnerable households. This has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute. For more information about us, visit adbi.org.